we're headed today. My message this morning is brief. Uh, it is uh, all the kids are gone, so it's just Rhonda and I headed to Outback. Okay, Christine headed to Outback. Did you enjoy uh, Christine's solo today? Wasn't that wasn't that pretty? She will be uh, she will be dancing uh, tonight with the team in front of 3,500 visitors from all around. I guess different states all around, and they're here. It's an honor to have a daughter in the house. Missy Zinson is back. We're so glad that she's here. We catch up all the things that's happened. Transpired, it's always a joy to have you in the house of God. And uh, we're just glad that you are here this morning. Uh, the, the, thought, the thought or the thing that, that um, I'm focusing on today, and if you're taking notes, you can jot down dressing for success or how to dress for, for success or just just uh maybe something entitled uh try 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 another garment every every sunday without exception for probably the past 20 years i walked down the hallway opened the bathroom door and asked pastor Rhonda, does this go together and nine times out of ten she tells me it does every once in a while i'll get a wild hair and i'll decide to put on something crazy like my American flag shirt or, or, or something crazy. And she'll say, I don't think I would go there with that. I don't think, I don't think I would go there with that. Then there's times when I'm headed out counseling appointments or different things. And she'll say, are you going to wear that? And that obviously means, no, you're not going to wear that. That ain't going to fly. That ain't going to, but uh, I want to talk this morning about, about dressing for success. And a couple of things have happened just in the, the past few days that have maybe observed some things many of you know, last Thursday I received a text from a part of this house that uh, his aunt was dying and she wasn't saved and he didn't know how to get her saved. So we got in the car, we drove to Standifer Place and went in and uh, 63 years old, she was awake, she was coherent and we prayed the sinner's prayer and she gave her heart to the Lord. Uh, every, every day, sometimes twice a day, I've been going to standing for gap and just having a word of prayer just visiting uh even though i'm on a sugar fast i took a dozen donuts twice and so they they await my a coming I, I went wednesday as i told you wednesday that i went then i had to rush to cleveland for an emergency and i wasn't going to go back and i did i went back and when i went back uh sharon's grandson had decided he wanted to give his heart to the lord and he wanted for me to to pray with him the, the prayer of salvation I wasn't even, even going to go back with something said, go back. And Pastor Ron even said, are you going back? I said, yeah, I'm going back. I'll miss Beth more tonight, but I feel like it's something I'm supposed to do. And so he rededicated his heart to the Lord. And yesterday, uh, around 2 o'clock, Sharon went to be with the Lord. And uh, they asked me to uh, do the funeral. I don't know any, I really don't know. Matter of fact, it wasn't even Jay's aunt. It was his girlfriend's aunt. So just the doors open for us to be a blessing and uh, they, I asked if I could give an altar call for salvation. They said that I could. Uh, Sharon, pretty, pretty rough, pretty tough life. Like many of us, got hurt early in life, got hooked on prescriptions, and then just kind of that was her life for a long, long time. And, and, her, and her body just could not keep up with the activity that she was involved in. And uh, like the thief on the cross, she came to know the Lord at the end of her life, and I, I thank God for that, but I believe there's so many things that we need to be doing now for the Lord, not to wait to the very last minute and give our heart to God. I noticed in the hospital there were three different types of dress. I noticed there was the 
patient dress, and most of you are aware of those embarrassing garments that tie in the back, and we never get them tied, so we're always like mooning everybody. Then there's the then there's the dress of the doctor, nurse. Obviously, you know that they're hospital officials. And then there are the guests, and the guests like me can wear about anything they want choose to wear. Yesterday, uh, or night be- night before Friday, I drive I drove five and a half hours to Lagrange, Kentucky. Hit a blizzard. Uh, got got involved in a in a major uh, for 45 minutes. I did not move forward or backward. Uh, there was a horrible wreck on the interstate, and lives were lost, but God, God spared me. Let me tell you how God, how God spared me. Well, no, I can't tell you how God spared me because I'll be giving away a secret. Well, let me tell you a secret. I was going to go to Wendy's, but God said go to McDonald's. And I went to McDonald's, and their kitchen was, like, messed up. It was going to take 11 minutes for them to make my Big Mac, so I waited 11 minutes. I've, I calibrated about the time that I got to the wreck. I could have been a part of that wreck. And just just amazed how so many times God will God will intervene. But... Long story short, I went to a maximum security prison yesterday and got to spend two hours with Pastor John. Again, I noticed that Pastor John was dressed one way, the guards were dressed another, and then again, me as the tourist, as the guest, uh, wore pretty much whatever I wanted to wear. And I got to thinking, thinking about that, and I, I want to bring attention to a story that there's so, there's so many interesting aspects of this story and a lot of the things that Jesus did, although they were important, the characters were not assigned names. When you think of the story of the prodigal son or the rich young ruler or the woman with the issue of blood or the woman that broke the alabaster box, we know that they were real because the Bible tells us they were real, but we don't know their names. But in the, the Gospel of Luke, of, of Mark, if you go with me to the 10th chapter and the 46th verse, I want to bring some, some highlights to, uh, to our thoughts this morning, our thought process this morning about dressing for success. In verse 46, Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with the disciples and a great multitude. Look at somebody say, a great multitude. You know, regardless of how busy Jesus is, he always has time for the one. Don't you thank God for that? And a, a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Look at somebody say, Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose, look at someone say he rose, and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. In this particular story, we know that Jesus is headed to Calvary. This is the, the end of his public ministry. There, the plans have been made already to arrest him, to have him assassinated. He was ministering. The multitude was following him. And as the multitude was following him, there was a blind man. And I think that a lot of times we identify the fact that he's blind more than we identify the fact of his name. Blind Bartimaeus. Obviously, he was blind. Obviously, he couldn't see. But, but something that I realized early in this passage of Scripture is that he had a name. 
want to tell you something this morning. God has a name for you. God has a pet name for you. God may call you sugar bear. God may call you apple of his eye. But God has a he knows who you are and he knows you have a name. The next thing I realized, not only does he have a name, but he has a dad. This is a kid with the family. And I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that he's been blind his entire life and the family has grown up with him knowing that he was blind. But can you imagine what kind of revolution or what kind of revelation or what kind of response took place when he went home for Thanksgiving dinner? Healed, whole, he could see. I think a lot of times that God allows the things of the past touch us, bless us, give us a testimony to bless somebody else. Do you have a, have a friend in the house? As, as the multitude was following Jesus, obviously this guy was getting on people's nerves. And what is so ironic, the reason the multitude was following him because of all the miracles he had performed. And ironic that as this guy is calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, instead of getting the guy and taking him to Jesus, they tried to have an attitude and tell him to be quiet. Never bother anybody in this house that time after time God has blessed us and God has healed us. But if we're not careful, sometimes we get stingy in the blessings and favor and we don't want to share them. Does that, does that matter to anybody in the house today? Then all of a sudden, notice the hypocrisy because then when it said, Jesus stopped and said, bring the, guy, bring the guy to me. They immediately said, hey, be a good cheer. Jesus is calling. You're probably going to get healed. Why did the first response out of the mouth be, hey, let's get you to Jesus and get you healed? We're so quick to make judgment, so quick to make analysis and and assumptions and here we see this guy all this guy wanted was to be healed when they when they when they get ready to bring him to Jesus he does something interesting and I, and I really am not sure what kind of depth or width or height or, or the importance this has to the story but the Bible took the time to write it so I don't want to take the time to share it it said that when he got up he took off his garment I got to thinking about the life of a beggar I got to thinking about uh, no showers, no baths, uh, living on the street. I got to thinking about how long it had been since he'd shaved. I got to think about how long it had been that, that he'd washed his hands or, or washed his feet. And then I began to think about this garment that he had on, that he wore, that it kept him, it kept him warm. He, he, he was sustained, this, this particular garment. And even though he was blind, for some reason, he felt it necessary to cast this garment off. I don't know if that interest anybody or a thought process or whatever but i but i think a lot of times there's so much there's so many things that god has for us but we're not just we're not dressed correctly to receive what god has maybe we maybe we're wearing the coat of depression or maybe we're the, the coat of eeyore hello i knew this would happen maybe we have already judged ourselves identified ourselves but this guy said you know what if I'm going to get a fresh touch from God, I'm going to get rid of this stinky, ugly, dirty garment, and I'm going to pursue Jesus. And what a, what, a, what a powerful truth that when they bring the guy to Jesus, Jesus knows everything, and it was obvious the guy was blind, but Jesus asked the guy, what is it you want me to do for you? And it's kind of like, wow, Jesus, the guy's blind. I mean, it's obvious the guy's blind. Obviously, he he wants to get healed or he wants restoration in his eyesight. But I wonder how many times we come to God and we, do, we, really, don't, we really don't ask God for things that we really need. I wonder how many times we come to God and, and, and realize that God is there. He's blessing others. 
but we just we get into some kind of phase that we decide that we're just going to sit back, be quiet, remain normal, and not get involved. And a lot of times in that normalcy, it seems like the Lord just passes us by, even though we feel like he has stuff for us. And then I think there are some people that they don't realize how blind they are or what they need. And maybe they just get a nudge from the Lord saying, what would you like for me to do for you today? He has promised when we come in his house, we'll come in one way, leave another. He's promised when we come to his house, we will be blessed, we will be restored, we'll receive a word. But I wonder how many times we come into the house of God, not really, not maybe in need of something, but not focused on that need. I remember when, whenever I'm around a healing evangelist or a healing ministry, and I pray for myself, but both my wrists are broken. I have a tough time picking up anything that weighs over 40 pounds. Flipped a four-wheeler, broke my back. I have a tough time like yesterday, that five-hour drive almost killed me. I, I told Pastor Ron I'm going to pull over here to McDonald's and take a nap, but I pulled over, walked to McDonald's and smelled those apple pies and remembered that I was on a fast. So I went back in the car and smelt the cashew nuts and got back on the road. And it was funny how it, motiv it motiv motivated me to go on. But I, I, I believe the Bible says that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I believe that when we come to the presence of God, the house of God, God has something for us, whether we realize it or not. And I think a lot of times if we come thirsty or we come hungry, can anybody relate? It seems like in that thirst, that hunger, God seems to respond and God seems to minister to us. And then there are those in life that come to God. We wish we could talk to God for them. Right? God, that guy is a rat. He is a hello. He's this. God, if you would just, I know none of you have ever, have never felt that way before. But this, this guy, after he received what God had for him, watch this. The Bible says he began to follow Jesus and the multitude. And what was following Jesus was a testimony. Blind, I now see, I'm restored, I'm recovered, I can pursue things. And so a lot of times as we watch God touch others, it's okay from time to time to get jealous and say, hey, if God did it for them, I mean, does God really know what kind of woman that is touching his feet? I mean, if God did it for them, then surely God would do it for us. There's surely people in the place right now. I, I believe that we have not because we ask not. And I believe sometimes in preparation for the things of God, we don't place ourselves in a position of blessing. The word said, he cast off that garment. Now, I don't know where I got this. Pastor Todd calls it a Texas Ranger jacket. I was going to put it on, but then I realized there was like some mold and there was some stains and there was some stuff on it that, I, that was crawling that I wasn't really sure what was on this coat. So I decided not to put it on. But isn't that a lot like life, the garments that we wear, we, we, we pick up the stench of the world, the things of the world, the habits of the world, the pattern of the world, and our clothing identifies us to be of the world. So he takes the garment off and he follows Jesus. And the, 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 the point that I want to make, if you go with me to Luke 15, I want to share another story from the Bible Most of you know the story, Luke 15, the story of the prodigal. But if you look at chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, a certain man, so this is not a parable. This is the man that really lived, that Jesus knew, had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me a portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. The two sons both received 
inheritance. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swines ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, usually eating pig slop, you're going to probably come to yourself to have a friend in the building. How many of my father's hired hands have enough bread for me to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, look at somebody say a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out what? The best robe. Bring out the best robe. And you know, that. I, I brought my finest robe. This is my wedding robe. You like it? I bought one so I have to stop running tuxedos for weddings. Revelation 1 says, He has made us under God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. There are two sons in the story. Both of them had an attitude. One had the attitude that the father blessed the prodigal. The prodigal obviously had an attitude with his brother or he wouldn't have left home. What is so crazy, I think, every one of us can find ourselves somewhere in that story. Trying to do it our way, trying to, trying to align ourselves with what we think is blessed, what we think is good, what we think is whole. But the guy said he found himself broke out of money, and there was a famine in the land. Choosing not to eat the pig slop because his dad had food at home for the servants, he went back to the house saying, I'm just going to be a servant, but the father wouldn't have that. The father said, son, you were lost, and now you're found. You're dead, and now you're alive. I'm so glad that you're home. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill the fatty calf. We're going to get the ring on your finger, the shoes on your feet, the robe on your back, and we're going to celebrate. Yesterday, for a few minutes, Pastor John began to share uh, some things that he'd been praying for and some things that he believed that, that God is wanting to do. And he reminded me of, uh, of, our, mission, of our mission statement uh, 24 years ago. And that mission statement was the speckled and spotted. And it wasn't that there's anything wrong with speckled and spotted, but they were just different. And the ministry of this church in that early season of life was to see the lost come to Christ see the, the sick healed, and see those that were broke begin to operate in prosperity and blessing. And he said, Pastor Hank, I'm praying that that window, that door, that moment, that season would open again for harvest. And I'm, I'm in full agreement, would love to see God do that, would love to see this become a plateau for people that need just a hand or a, or a blessing or a word from the Lord or, or, or just needs to get saved. I believe that's what the ministry of the product was all about, he came, he left, he came home, God blessed it, and God said, let there be a celebration. Pastor Ronald will tell you that in those early seasons of Church of the Harvest, that when the prodigals would come and they would repent and pray through, there was an electrifying atmosphere of praise and worship as the congregation began to see the amazing things that 
God was doing and not, not just looking at the amazing things that God had done in their life, but the amazing things that God was doing in the life of the prodigal. And listen, anytime a prodigal returns to the house, the house is blessed. When, when, when the prodigal came home, the dad said, kill the calf, get the food, we're going to celebrate, we're going to dance, we're, we're going to rejoice, we're going to have a good time. I'd like to see the altars of harvest filled again with those that are away from God. I'd like to see people come to the altar. They're not sure where they're at in life, but they know they're missing something and that we would have the ability to let them know God has the best robe for you, the best food for you, the best position for you, the best place for you. Let us never get like the older son that was full of religion, a critical spirit, pointed his finger in judgment, and then when dad tried to bless the younger son, got mad because the dad blessed the younger son. You know what the dad told the older son? All I have is yours. You could have had a feast anytime you wanted. You could have celebrated anytime you wanted. You could have done whatever you wanted. Ne let us never become immune from the blessings and the favor that God wants to bring upon us just because we have saved, sanctified, and soured. I just made that up, saved, sanctified, and soured. Oh, well, that didn't cost anything. There is a story, if you go, go with me back to Mark and go back to the 10th chapter. A couple of weeks ago, I made a big deal about this story. I don't want to bring it to your attention. Verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road again with Willie Nelson, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I want to live forever. What do you do to make sure... That happens. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, not murder, not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, you're in Mark. If you'll just turn over a couple of pages. To Mark the, look like it's going to be the 14th chapter. And the 35th verse. No, the 50, 51st verse. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and, fed, and fled from them naked. It's always been my opinion for what it's worth. And I don't know really if naked means naked. I mean, maybe he had a loincloth on or something, maybe, maybe, or maybe he was just naked. The Bible says he was naked, so maybe the Bible, their definition of naked is that he didn't have any clothes on. But what is so crazy in the course of Calvary and all the things that led up to, all the things of, and all the things after, this is the only writer of the gospel that relates to this story. This is the writer of the gospel that tells us about the rich young ruler, and then right here in the middle of the final moments of the life of Christ. I mean, he's getting ready to be murdered. 
crucified, beaten, you know the story. For some reason, the writer goes to some trouble to just insert a little paragraph, does not explain, does not refer to, does not re relate to the Old Testament, does not have a name, but the fact that there was a guy that when Christ was headed to die, ran to Jesus, and when they grabbed a hold of him and grabbed his clothes, he had nothing on. My personal, my personal opinion, I believe that this was the rich young ruler. I believe he went and sold everything he had. I believe that he had to get to the Lord and let the Lord know what he had done before the Lord was sacrificed and murdered. What an incredible story. I don't think today that God wants any of us running around naked. I just don't. I don't, I don't think God wants our clothes. I don't think he wants our cars. I don't think he wants our stuff. God told us clearly what he wants and a part of that. And I think what God is telling here, be careful that you don't let your money become more important than your relationship. Because not only was this young man going to receive eternal life, but Jesus said, follow me. When blind Bartimaeus was healed, the first thing the Bible says that he did was he followed Christ. And I think that when God puts stuff in our life, blesses us and favors us, I believe we all come to a place where we want to know him a little better and follow him a little closer. Does that help anybody at all? So I've got this coat. See that coat? Now, you wouldn't know it, but that coat costs a lot of money. It's supposed to look old and worn. That coat represents favor. And if you go with me to Genesis, the 37th chapter, I want to show you of a story. Meets this kid is walking in favor. He is spoiled rotten. He's a good-looking kid. He's the baby of the family. Dad loves him. Dad loves him more than he loves the other children. He shouldn't have, but he does. This is the baby. Dad had a baby a little older in life, like I had Christine a little older in life. It's not that I love her anymore and I love court, and I love them both the same. And you guys all know about the, all about the parenting. But this, this was the favored child. He didn't really work. And mostly what he did was a tattletale. He would find out what his brothers were doing, and then he would go tell dad. Well, how many knows nobody likes a tattletale? And nobody likes somebody spoilt rotten. And no one likes somebody that doesn't have a job description, that he just kind of, nobody, nobody likes a person like that. So Joseph had some enemies, and to make matters worse, Joseph's dad had a special coat made just for him, just for him. And so every time he wore this coat, it, it was like a gouge or maybe twisting a nose or pinching somebody, reminding them dad loves him more than he loves us. And you know the story there in Genesis 30, 37. And let me share verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the coat of many colors that were on him. Then if you'll notice verse 31. So they took Joseph's coat, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether or not it's your son's coat? Uh, if you're still there in Genesis, go with me, if you will, to Genesis 41. 
And as the Lord showed me this morning, I felt like I felt like texting somebody I've been praying for and ministering to because I really felt like there was a word in here that, that was a, a word to them. Genesis 41, verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him. Look at somebody say quickly. Been in prison for a long time, but when his, when his resurrection rapture took place, it was a quick work. I believe there are some here today that you've been waiting and patient and faithful and consistent and inherent and obedient. And I believe that quickly God's about to bring some things to your life to bless you and prosper you. And if this is for me, then I receive it just for me because it is a great word. They sent quickly. Watch this. And he shaved and changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. He'd been wearing prison clothes that identified him as a prisoner. But now he's in a place of position, a place of promotion. And so before he goes to Pharaoh, he takes a shower, cleans up, and puts on some pretty cool clothes. Isaiah 61, and I will conclude with this thought, Isaiah 61. Or maybe I won't conclude. Maybe I'll give you one more. Let me give you one more. Judges 6 and 34. So we see, the, we see the coat that a blind man would wear. We see the coat that a son of favor would wear. We see a coat that, that a child redeemed by the blood of Jesus would wear. And then we kind of see an empty hanger. If I can bring attention to the fact that it wasn't that I ran out of coats, but it was just that I wanted to shift right here and go to Judges the sixth chapter, most of you or all of you probably know the story of Gideon. And the point that I want to make is, is Judges 6. Oh, I'm in Joshua. 6 and 34, if the guys are going to help me throw that up on the screen. If you're there, say Amen. If you're not there, save stall. Okay, there's Judges 6. Somebody swapped out my Bibles. I don't know why they did, but this is not. Can anybody see verse 34? Is it up there? Okay. In the Amplified... It says in Genesis, in, in Judges 6 and 34, King James says, The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with himself. How crazy is that? The Spirit of the Lord, in other words, Gideon put God on. In other words, Gideon walked in the covering that God provided. And when you look at the story of Gideon, he's not, we don't see a great warrior, but God does. God sees someone faithful, someone consistent. Gideon's family wasn't all that godly because his dad had altars set up to Baal. So it wasn't because of his family. It wasn't just because of his abilities or looks. But I think that Gideon was the kind of guy that made himself available to do what God wanted him to do as long as he had proof. 
Any proof people in this house? Well, God, if it's really you, hello, let the red light turn green the next three seconds. Where's my, where's my proven, proven God? I mean, I know none of you ever. You know, God, if it's, I mean, there are times when you'll fleece God and say, well, God, if you want me to do this, do this, and then God does that. And then, God, if you really want me to do this, do this. And that's why I do not believe in or, or predict or prophesy fleeces. The only time a fleece is used in the Bible is here. And three times God did something supernatural to show Gideon that it was his will for him to go forward. And he still didn't, he still didn't respond. He was still doing his own thing. With that thought in mind, the empty hanger, the reason that Gideon was able to do what God called him to do is because Gideon had taken off the spirit of heaviness and he put on the garment of praise. When you read the story of Gideon, how do you know he had the spirit of heaviness? Because when the angel came to Gideon, he was protecting a small patch of beans. The, the country was under attack. They were all serving the Philistines. They were under that control. And he's, pat, and he's taking care of this little patch of beans. And when the angel says to Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, Gideon says, I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm hiding in the shadow of this water tower with, a, with the field of beans, hoping it doesn't get raped or, or manipulated or stolen from me. He was, the whole nation was operating in heaviness because they had been subdued. But Gideon made a choice. I don't think it was the police that made the choice. I think it was the presence of God. I think that when God clothed Gideon with himself, I believe something happened in Gideon's life and become that war horse that God wanted him to be, defeated the army with 300. You all know the story because he made himself available. He made himself available. When I think, of, when I think about making myself available, I think about Isaiah 61 when Jesus began to prophesy and said, this is what I came to do. In Isaiah 61 and 3, he said, I came to replace the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise. For the garment of praise. And so we have a, we have a blank hanger today that represents that garment of praise that God clothes us with himself. You all know Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my Lord, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. This Christmas, Miss Linda gave me a really cool statue of a Roman soldier. And on my, on my, on my vanity, in my, in my bathroom, there with all the pictures of the girls, there's a shepherd guy, and he's holding on to a lamb. And so when I brush my teeth and comb my hair, I look at that shepherd guy reminding, okay, I'm the shepherd guy. I'm supposed to be nice to people and, and, and all of that. But now I put that warrior next to that shepherd guy. So now, Donnie, I'm not just a shepherd. I'm a warrior. And there's the armor, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the shoes of peace, the, the loins of righteousness. So, so now I've got the shepherd guy and I got the armor guy. So in the morning before I leave that room, I realize I'm not just a shepherd, but I'm also to dress myself in the armor of God and do what God has called me to get all my armor on and then write a book. Put all my armor on and buy a nation. No, wrong. The reason we clothe ourselves with the armor of God is that we would pray for one 
And uh, the whole purpose of the armor, you read it in verse 16, the whole purpose of the armor is to dress ourselves so that we can't just protect ourselves, but we can protect those that have a need from God. We can pray for one another, supplement one another, and their life can be changed. And on this January 2015 date, I believe that's the word that God has for many, uh, many of us. Get rid of the garment that represents the past. Get rid of the garment that represents the favor. See, Joseph had favor, but that's not where God wanted Joseph to stay. God had a position and a plan for, for Joseph, the ability to translate a dream, the ability to save the entire nation of God in a 14-year window. That was what God had for Joseph. But Joseph was bopping around this really cool coat, and I'm, I'm favored, I'm blessed. Dad loves me more than he loves me. I think sometimes we come to a place in our life where we just kind of need to grow up and stop eating donuts and jelly rolls and Hershey bars and time to get in the meat of the word and realize who we are and what we are and what God has called us to do. I, when, I look at the, when I look at the code of favor, um, obviously I'm not getting any younger. I turned 60 in October, and I, I don't feel 60. I don't think I look 60, especially when I run other people look 60, and they really look 60, and I don't look 60. You know, I, and I... I don't, I don't think I do. Anyway, the, the, I'll be very careful what I say, that I don't say anything that, that I shouldn't say. But, you know, when you, just for the fun of it, just for the fun of it, take a moment mentally and highlight some of the things that you've done that were cool, whether they're spiritual or natural. And when I think in the natural, I climbed a pyramid I touched the Sphinx. I floated in the Dead Sea. Everything in Israel has changed since Jesus was there except the Jordan River. Josh, there's a very good possibility that when I went to be baptized, I walked on the very shore that Jesus may have walked when I think about that. When I think about being the youngest contractor and general, general contractor in Southern California, when I think about the Harley, the hot rod, the, the sport, Lotus, all the new home, all of that. I think of all the things in the carnal that, that I've done. And then I think in, in the spiritual, the doors we have ministered on both of the largest Christian television networks in the world. Our story has been told in Charisma. We were on the cover of Charisma. Our story is told in the third chapter of Joni's book, No Surrender, bestseller, New York Times for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think about... All the, all the things we've done, all the places we've got. We've hosted some incredible ministries. We've done some incredible things. But if I'm not careful, I'll let all that that I did hinder me from going in the next direction that God wants me to go in. And if we're not careful, we'll forget the prophetic word that was spoken to us time and time again. The best is yet to come. Esther winding up and being the queen of that country was not the best. The best was her interceding and laying her life down that Haman would be destroyed and that the nation of God would live and Jesus would actually be born through that generation. So do, do not today, do not let the fact that maybe you don't have that great of education like that beggar. Don't, don't be overwhelmed today like the, the prodigal son you left, you came back. Don't be overwhelmed by the coat of favor and the coat of many colors, but be overwhelmed by the fact today that God's up to something. And he probably wants to use you. And if you'll let him, he'll use you in a great and a mighty way. Can we pray? 
Father, we thank you that in the morning we have the ability to get up and be a grump. We have the ability in the morning to get up and put on the garment of praise. We can choose to praise you prophetically for those things which you're doing. Or we can gripe about the things that we have not yet received and just have an attitude. It is up to us. We're not dressed as a prison guard or a prisoner. It's up to us to dress the way that we feel led to be dressed. Let us this morning put on that garment of praise. Let us be a, a vessel of praise and worship. Let us be like that warrior clothed with and armed with the weapons and to pray for each other, support one another. Let our life make a difference somehow, some way. Let somebody call us and take us to the hospital and pray for someone and lead them to the Lord. Let us be open to the Holy Spirit when that nudge comes and people want to get right with God. Let us not be like the crowd that would tell the beggar to be, the beggar to be quiet, but we would be like the crowd that would get the beggar to Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. Amen. As Pastor Rhonda mentioned today, uh, the Hope House girls are doing their testimony thing at, at uh, the uh, conference and then